Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose, across from me in the exhibit hall of Phoenix, Arizona, where we are at the National Congress of American Indians, is none other than Jim Landelius. Jim is the Native Ministries Coordinator for the Oklahoma Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Jim, it's great to have you today. It's always good to see you, Dr. DeRose. And you have been a guest on the show before. I have. And the reason for that is you are one of those people who, to me, seem like a permanent fixture at the National Congress of American Indians. Why do I always run into you here? Uh, The Oklahoma Conference is very involved in Native country, and the actual booth space is under the, uh, the umbrella of the North American Division, and they have asked us to... Uh, continue running it. Uh, we've, you know, made some really good friends, and we uh, we want to continue, you know, trying to impact and make friends in uh, in native country. So the Seventh Day Adventist Church actually buys a huge block of booths. How many booths do you actually have here? I think we have uh, we have an entire block. I think of uh, eight or ten booth spaces. We have uh, our Native Ministries, you know, which is kind of the the religious arm, of course. We have a booth here for American Indian Living Radio is a big part of our of our ministry. Uh, the health work, Compass Health is here, International BioCare. Uh, we have a, a huge area where people can come and get uh, blood pressure, blood glucose checks. Uh, they can counsel with nurses. We have some uh, health professionals, uh, some of the doctors from International BioCare Health uh, Hospital, which is uh, which is located in Tijuana, Mexico, and uh, to help with some of the issues specifically diabetes and hypertension. So you guys for years, I know, because I've been coming to NCI for many years, pulled together this whole team of professionals. I mean, you've got nurses here. You've, I, mean, I know you've had respiratory therapists in the past, people from all different backgrounds. You mentioned the physicians that are here. And you're doing that, um, I mean, from all evidences, as a service to people throughout Indian country who are here in this venue, right? There's no charge for any of these services. None of these services that are offered here are at any charge. We don't even we don't even take an offering. It is completely and totally free. Some of the uh, some of the entities that we have here with us, um, uh, in the past, we've worked with some different uh, companies that have meters and strips, and so you know the tribes can can contact them and with volume they get substantial discounts of course uh, international biocare hospital uh, you know there are some things that they offer but the things that are here at national congress are completely free mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we we you know our our whole goal is to uh is holistic health to make you know the person you know better physically um then once we do that you know Build some relationships, make some friends. Maybe they might be interested in some of the other things that uh, that we have to offer. But it's you know very low pressure. You know, one of the things I should mention is because it's a pre-recorded show. There's many folks that listen to the show that will end up being at next year's National Congress of American Indians. And I know because it's so easy to get involved with all the 
uh, breakout sessions, caucuses, different things, political uh, activities that are happening at the National Congress that many tribal leaders may not even be aware that you're offering these free health screenings. But I'll tell you from a physician standpoint, I mean, this is extremely valuable. There are a lot of people walking around with undiagnosed diabetes, with high blood pressure, and you're checking these things free of charge. Exactly. What we want to do is we want to give people a heads up. Many of these things, hypertension, diabetes, they tend to sneak up on an individual. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize that it's a problem until it's so far advanced, it's much harder to... Uh, to, to bring it into submission, to get it taken care of. If we can give people a heads up, you know, forewarned is forearmed. And so then you can take uh, steps, and we have the, the materials, we have the information, the steps that you can take to limit uh, the damage of these things. Uh, and, well, for example, you know, you've, you know, you've brought your book, 30 Days to Natural Blood Pressure and Control, The No Pressure Solution. Uh, I've not had a chance to read the entire book, I, you know, you gave me a copy when I got here, but just some of the things that I've looked at, this is invaluable information, and we're giving it away free of charge. All you do is, you know, you come by, uh, you know, get some things. If you'd like a copy, then you can get a copy. We want to help people. That is our main goal. No, I'll be honest with you. I was surprised and very, and of course, pleased that you. Uh, I think your team ordered, I don't know, five, six boxes of my new book that you mentioned, 30 Days to Natural Blood Pressure Control. I mean, it's a $20 book, so I know you got uh, you know wholesale pricing on it, but still, that was a big investment, and you're just passing those out for free, especially to people of high blood pressure, because throughout Indian country, people want those natural solutions like we feature in the book. Well, you can, you know, you can go one of two ways. You can, you can go the, the natural, you know, holistic. And when I say holistic, I'm just talking about um, everything is integrated. The things that we eat, the activities that we do, the things that we, we put into our body. That's what I mean. Um, you know, you can go to a doctor and get a pill that masks the symptoms, you know, brings it down for a short time. But in my opinion, it's like, you know, if you get a cut on your leg and it gets infected and you're taking Tylenol to keep the fever down, mm. you're not doing yourself any good. What you need to deal with is the infection. Exactly. And so these pills that, you know, that many doctors uh, are happy to prescribe, they just mask the symptoms, take care of the problem. And that's what we're wanting to do is get get to the root of the issue, get it taken care of so you can be happy, you can be healthy, and, uh, you know, continue with a, you know, with a, with a whole life. Yesterday, I was in uh, some meetings with other tribal leaders from throughout the, the country. Um, actually, we were very pleased to have Brian Clattisby, the uh, current uh, president of the National Congress, uh, joined uh, us in that meeting for a period of time. And in it, we were talking about a number of health initiatives, a number of health activities that were taking place throughout Indian country. And uh, you were asked to share about some of the work that you're doing as the Native Ministries Coordinator in Oklahoma. I think one of the things that definitely resonated with me and that has been very exciting to our listeners has been your work with camps for young people. A lot of times when people think about a, a camp, a youth camp, they think fun, games. But you've taken this to a whole different dimension. Tell us a little bit about what you do in Oklahoma with these uh, Native camps. Native camp is for uh, Native youth ages 7 to 17 and we you know we can go a little bit younger if they're close or if they're they haven't been 18 very long we can kind of fudge it a little bit but but they come and it's just like traditional 
you know, summer camp, there is the fun activities. We have canoeing, we have swimming, we have, uh, you know, all the different horses, mountain bikes, crafts. But in addition to that, we have two components that your traditional summer camp does not have. One, it's we call it our, our uh, health and heritage camp. And so we have, uh, for the heritage part, we have Native storytellers come. We're right in the heart of Seminole country. The Seminole Nation headquarters is uh, is just uh, maybe 10 miles away, 12 miles away. Uh, Chief Harjo, Chief Leonard Harjo, has been very gracious. Most years, if his schedule allows, comes out, talks to the, the young people about the importance of respecting elders, um, you know, remembering where they come from language immersion, these sort of things. Um, the assistant chief, um, uh, Lewis Johnson, has come out on several occasions, and he uh, plays magnificently the uh, the flute, mm-hmm. uh, you know, native flute. And um, he will come and do music. We have storytellers come. Um, Scott Robinson from Indian Health Services in Wawoka comes and brings the uh, the equipment, and they play stickball, which the kids absolutely love. Mm-hmm. And so... It's it's all about activity and keeping, you know, keeping moving. And when you do that, it lessens the chances of getting diabetes. And so that's our other focus is, is health. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised when I came to Oklahoma. Uh, at, at one point, one of the churches that I had was in Stillwell, Oklahoma. Very small community, less than 3,000 people. Less than 3,000 people. They have a kidney dialysis center mm. because of the prevalence of diabetes and the just the havoc that it wrecks on the entire system and, and the kidneys especially in a in a in a small town of three thousand and of course with the surrounding area there are more people but in a relatively small corner of Oklahoma you have a kidney dialysis center in Fayetteville Arkansas where there are some sixty thousand people and with a you know a, a metropolis uh, Bentonville Springdale. Rogers, you know, some 150,000, the last I knew, they did not have a kidney dialysis center. That tells you there's a problem and we need to fix it early. And so we talked to them about the importance of diet and activity and, and these sort of things. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've had some, we've had some real success. We've had some kids tell us, you know, we just had no idea. And so we're, we're hoping to change things early on so that adult life is much easier. Now, in yesterday's meeting, you told a story that I found fascinating about the impact of these camps on Native youth. Because I, I'll be honest with you, I have worked in health centers where we have run residential programs. Many of our patients, clients have been adults. Some of them will come to our program. Uh, I think of one guy. He came to stop smoking at one of our facilities and on his way home, he stopped and picked up cigarettes. So it's so easy for many people. They can hear these messages, but they can just go back to their old lifestyle. You told a story yesterday about a bus trip, Native youth going back to their uh, reservation or tribal home, tribal homes. I, a lot of them I know there aren't many. Re- what is there, just one reservation in Oklahoma? Oh, no, there's several. There's oh, actually there several. Okay. Sure. I know there's a lot sure. of tribal lands, but I thought right. that there weren't many formal reservations there. Okay, anyway, but so they're going back home. Tell me about this bus trip, the story you shared yesterday. Well, and there's been several instances where, where kids go home and they share with their parents the things that they have learned at camp. And we've had uh, 
I've had parents contact me. Now, I, I wish I could say it were every single child. I don't want to oversell this. No, no, no. We, we're not going to do that. You know, but there are there are instances where kids go back, and the whole thing with with us is we don't want to make a healthy lifestyle where you have to do this and you have to do this mm-hmm. and you have to do this and you can't do this and you can't do that. We take very much the approach that Creation Health, which is a program of Florida Hospital that we promote throughout Oklahoma and in some other states, make smarter choices. Mm. Do, you know, take a take one step and then try to keep going with those steps. You know, a lot of these kids, sometimes they're drinking a carbonated beverage every single day. And so what we recommend is, you know, cut that down to like two or three a week. You know, we're not saying you have to cut them out, though that would be ideal. Cut back. If you're eating meat, try to stay away from pork, which is so high in nitrates and uh, and sodium. Try sticking to the leaner things, you know, chicken, turkey. Um, make healthier choices. Um, exercise, you know, and especially for adults. Wouldn't it be nice if, if we could all, you know, meet up in Boston next year for the Boston Marathon, hmm. you know, and run that and, you know, everybody comes in on the average time. Are you sending your children out to the mailbox to get the mail? Hmm. Go get the mail yourself. Do that for a couple of weeks. Then walk to the end of the block, and, you know, and gradually increase that. Start making smarter choices. The problem is so many people jump in and they say, well, I want to be healthy and I'm going to, I'm going to start eating tofu and I'm going to start eating, I'm going to be a vegetarian, I'm going to be vegan, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. And they take such drastic steps and it's such a drastic change. In two weeks, they're like, it's overwhelming and I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Make one choice. Pick one thing. Yeah, there's so many things. We need so much water. We need to get this much sleep. We, our diet should consist, you know, somewhere in this continuum. Pick one thing, something easy, something measurable. Then as time goes along, add to that, and eventually you'll find yourself in a system that is very healthy, but you arrive there kind of organically rather than just mm-hmm. diving in, and then you just jump right back out. That's our big thing. Jim, You've got so many great stories. So much is happening in Oklahoma and here. Are you able to stay by for another segment? I can stay by for another segment. You bet. We are going to come back with Jim Landelius. Jim is the Native Ministries Coordinator for the Oklahoma Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. He's going to be telling us about an amazing bus trip and a stop to McDonald's. No one's looking after youth, Native youth come through a uh, health and heritage camp. And we're going to hear what happened. He's got other exciting information that can make a difference for you, your health, and your tribe. Stay tuned. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We will be back with more in just a couple of minutes. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's one 800 775 Four six seven three. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. 
Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You are back with Dr. David DeRose, my guest, Jim Landelia, sitting across from me in the Convention Center in Phoenix, Arizona. We are here for the National Congress of American Indians meeting in October 2016. That's where we've been recording a series of shows. And Jim is talking with me about some of the exciting things that have been happening right here in this convention venue, as well as things happening back in his home state of Oklahoma. Jim, I promised our listeners that we would uh, come back to a story, and as we were speaking about this incident at the break, you helped correct me. It wasn't a big bus of Native youth. It was perhaps a smaller vehicle. Tell us the story. Tell us exactly what happened. What it was is um, uh, sometimes we have... For most of the the uh, the young people that come in, we have parents or grandparents that bring them in, but we do do limited transportation. And uh, we were taking some uh, some young children home, and it was it was kind of last minute. There were some emergencies that had come up with uh, with their parents, and they couldn't pick them up. So we were, you know, taking them home, and it had been a while since lunch, but we left before you know, supper. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I'd stop and, you know, get something. And we had, we stopped at a McDonald's because, you know, everybody loves McDonald's. And, uh, one of the, one of the young people, you know, they just commented, well, there's really not anything that, you know, that is probably good for us here. You know, you've been talking about all these things and highly processed foods and all the sodium. And yeah, we kind of hit it hard. And so, uh, yeah, we went, you know, somewhere else because everything, you know, Everything there was uh, just kind of so bad for you. And I was kind of, you know, a little bit rebuked because, you know, I've been talking about all this stuff the whole week. Uh-huh. And then, uh, you know, they, I'd pulled in and they kind of corrected me and we had to find 
We don't want to. We don't want to put any company in a bad light. I'm. I'm assuming since that time, you know, McDonald's has improved their game. And that has. That was a couple of years ago, and McDonald's has made some strides. I mean, let's just be honest. There is, you know, fast food is not optimum food, but I think all the companies are trying to do a little bit better job. But when you're having to mass produce and make foods that will, you know, preserve for quite some time to, so you can make the bottom line. I'm not here to to dog McDonald's or Popeye's fried chicken or anybody else. Mm-hmm. These places are to go occasionally. We live in a toxic environment. Let's mm-hmm. just be honest. And uh, everybody's going to, to die at some point. And so it's about making smarter choices. So just don't go there every single day. But to go once a week or once a month. Ah. You're pretty easy to work with, Jim, both in the uh, whole process here at NCAI. You've been coordinating booths. In fact... If anyone has enjoyed these meetings from the National Congress of American Indians, uh, Jim, you were the one that conducted all the logistics, handled all that as far as getting the booth space for American Indian living, making sure we had power to actually do the show. So we want to just thank you for doing that. But not only easy to deal with as far as working through logistics at a booth site or at a convention venue, You carry that over into your work in Oklahoma. You alluded to a program in our previous segment called Creation Health. We have talked about that program in the past on American Indian Living, but it's been a long time. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners have not even heard about this. You find this is a program that resonates with people in Indian country? It resonates with, it resonates with everyone. It is, it is an awesome, program. Florida Hospital, for those who are not familiar, is part of the Adventist Health System. They are based in Orlando, Florida. They are actually the hospital for Disney World. Mm. Several years ago, Disney World, you know, put out, you know, we want one hospital to deal with. And Florida Hospital won out. They, several years ago, created a program called Creation Health. There are eight principles for holistic health. Okay. Because even if your, even if your blood pressure is good and your, uh, your blood sugar, you can still not be healthy because we are holistic beings. It's not just uh, our physical health; it's our mental, our emotional. So choice, rest, um, environment, uh-huh. activity, trust, interpersonal relationships, outlook, and nutrition. Okay. And throughout. It's, it's kind of what I alluded to in the last segment. It's not about jumping in and making huge changes. It's making smarter choices. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if, you know, you're eating candy all the time, well, start to cut back. Um, but, you know, choice. We have choices to make, priorities. Um, activity is huge. Our interpersonal relationships, our outlook on life is huge. How we view things. And so taken all together, when you know we put all these things together, it makes a tremendous difference. I've seen people lose weight. I've seen people just turn their life around in, in terms of how they view things, simply because they have made a choice, not because this is some magic program. But we have the power to, to change how we look at things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when we, when we take advantage of that, the outcome can be huge. And so this is a program that we promote heavily in the Oklahoma Conference. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk about some of the, the specifics because we want to give our listeners some take-home messages. I've noticed that you're fairly selective in who you bring 
into this uh, large booth area that you have at the National Congress. And we've mentioned international biocare. I've interviewed Dr. Rodrigo Rodriguez on shows in the past. And uh, they've actually stepped away from their booth, which is next, right next to mine. So this is a fortunate uh, uh, occurrence because we want to test them. And uh, I know this is a little going to be a little bit noisy, but if you'd be so kind as to slip off your headset, grab one of those bars that they have on their table. So uh, if you hear a little bit of noise, uh, we've just got uh, Jim. Oh, he's being real careful with this. He's slipping off his headset, and he's walking over to the booth next to us. And we're going to see if they're up to speed, if they're making the grade as far as the creation health standards when it comes to actually nutrition. So, Jim, we're going we're gonna to actually pull the, uh, the recipe list here. And uh, I'm just curious, uh, walk us through what they're giving out here at the booth. Well, it's an amaranth bar, uh, six cups. This is for a, a standard recipe that uh, you can make it in your own home. Six cups of uh, popped amaranth, which is a uh, an ancient Aztec grain. A half cup of toasted sesame seeds. Half cup toasted flower seeds. Half cup toasted flax seeds. Half cup shredded unsweetened coconut. Half cup toasted slivered almonds. And a half cup of either honey or agave syrup for just a, a little bit of sweetener. I have had these bars. In fact, the last uh, meeting that we were at, we... Uh, my assistant and I asked for a couple extra bars, and they gave me a uh, a nice bag. Uh-huh. I'm I'm debating whether my how much my assistant is going to get because they are so good. Okay. Uh, high in fiber, uh-huh. extremely low in calories. Um, with the uh, with the flaxseed, you have omega threes. Mm-hmm. You know, good for brain health. This is just this is just an ideal. If you're if you're going to snack, this is the way to go. So this makes the grade as far as the uh, the the nutrition component of creation health. Oh, definitely. definitely. Now it's interesting you mentioned the snacking because when Dr. Rodriguez was on the show, um, he actually spoke about snacking, and he was uh, making the point that it was very important to eat at regular times because it was important for our microbiome those bacteria that live in the gut. Now, he didn't really explain all the details of that, but does the Creation Health Program in one of any of those elements, do they talk about the importance of regularity and things like that? Sure. And, you know, I'm just I'm just going to be upfront and honest here. You need to have set time for meals, whether you're on a two-meal-a-day program or a three-meal-a-day you know, three program. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of sleep that we get, the times that we go to bed and and the times we get up, those should be regular times. What Creation Health is about is trying to get us to those optimal things. If you're going to snack, which should we snack? No. Hmm. We should have set times for meals. Um, my principle is uh, you eat like a king for breakfast, you eat hmm. like a prince for lunch, and then you eat like a pauper for supper. Okay. Um, but if you're going to snack, because here's the thing. To try and go from a traditional Western diet, Western lifestyle to an optimum, it's a big change. Mm-hmm. So no question. Go go slowly. Make healthier changes. Cut this out a little bit. Add this a little bit. So if you're going to snack, find things that are high fiber, low in calories, definitely low in sugar. Watch the sodium. This makes the grade. So if you're going to snack, should you? No, but if you're going to, it's better to reach for this 
than go to Walmart and say pick up or a, or a convenience store and pick up a, a six pack of Oreos or or go to Walmart and eat half a box of Oreos. Okay. Which it, you know I'll I'll just be honest, with you, I love Oreos. It's not hard to go through half a box. Smarter choices, and that's what Creation Health is all about. Well, you've gotten our interest. If someone's not heard of Creation Health, you're running it in tribal venues. You're running it throughout Oklahoma. Tell someone how they could tap into Creation Health. Yes, and what we could do is I could contact, uh, you know, depending on where they are, we'll look at, I'll, I'll get them in touch, and we'll find them a seminar that they can get to. So how does someone get a hold of you, Jim? Okay, Native Ministries at gmail.com. Let me get yeah. this. So it's okay, Native Ministries at what? At gmail. Uh-huh. Dot com. Dot com. Okay. Jim, our time has slipped away from us, and uh, we've got to run. But we've got uh, some other great guests coming up in today's edition of American Indian Living. Jim Landelius, the Native Coordinator for the Oklahoma Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. You can get a hold of him at... Okay for Oklahoma Native Ministries at gmail.com. You can yes. get information about Creation Health, about the Native Youth Camps, and other things, right, Jim? Exactly. We've got to run. We will be back with more, though, on today's edition of American Indian Living. Stay tuned. I'm Dr. DeRose. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre recorded broadcast, please call 1 800 775 HOPE. That's 1 800 775 4673. So, you want to be a hero? Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke, sudden weakness on one side, or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org. Or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute, since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give, advocate, volunteer, live united. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. 
1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We've got another great guest in our virtual studio here at the exhibit hall of the National Congress of American Indians in Phoenix, Arizona, His name is Nicholas Courtney. Nicholas is the Senior Program Associate with the Native American Political Leadership Program at George Washington University. Nick, it's great to have you with us. Hey, thank you, David, for having me. You are doing some exciting stuff there. I just learned about uh, what you're up to there at George Washington. It's not a new program, but you've got some great stuff for Native youth. Tell us a bit about what you're involved with. Um, So I'm with the Native American Political Leadership Program at George Washington University, and we have two separate programs. One is for college students, for both undergraduate and graduate students, and then we also have a high school program called Inspire Native Teens Initiative. So our program brings in Native students in the spring and in the summer semesters, and uh, these students study a wide variety of things, not just politics. Um, It can be education, it can be history, it can be environmental science, and they come to George Washington University for the semester and take two classes. One of them is around electoral systems and how to run campaigns, which is taught by a GW faculty. And then we also have one, our other class that is native politics and grassroots organizing. And that's taught by a native faculty and adjunct on campus. Um, So we have an academic component as well as all of our students. We uh, work with them to figure out uh, their interests, and we place them as interns in either for a member of Congress or a different federal agency or Native advocacy group in the city. Um, I'm also an alumni of the program, so when I was in the program, I interned. Uh, My background's in education, so I worked uh, with the White House Initiative on American Indian and Alaskan Native Education Mm -hmm. within the Department of Education. But many of our students, like I said, interned for the Native American Contractors Association, um, NCAI. We've uh, placed interns there, members of Congress, the Department of the the Secretary of the Interior in their office. Um, So we really tailor it to the individual student. So we have an academic component, an internship component, Uh, as well as a mentorship component with someone um, from our program that guides our students. Uh, Many of our students have not been in D.C. before, Mm -hmm. so we really find that that helps them um, see a Native community within D.C. and Mm. uh, gives them the the thought of, I have community here, and there are people like me in these federal buildings and offices. How important was that component for you as a Native youth going from Washington State, right? Isn't that where your roots are? Yeah, yeah. How, how important was that connection? It was extremely important. I think uh, community to, to me and uh, my fellow classmates is, is everything. And I think that uh, we really work with um, different agencies, and the community is very supportive of our program, and they know uh, that our students are coming from far away, mm-hmm. um, as far away as uh, Hawaii and Alaska. Okay. Um, and, many of our, and many of our students have never been to the East Coast, and mm-hmm. it can be a really um, – big experience for them to experience some a city like dc so for me personally it was it was amazing um to have mentors that uh came from communities either in washington state or near or near me Mm. um and to have that support and just to see how they navigate those federal buildings as uh, having a low number of native employees in dc um but i was also very surprised to see such a large network of um, Native community members in the city. So that was really heartwarming for me to see that connection and community building within the city. Mm -hmm. 
So one of the things that uh, I think is immediately probably a concern, we're talking about an amazing program, George Washington, of course, you know, world-renowned university, and folks are saying, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, great, but uh, there's no way I could ever afford to go to a program like yeah. that. Is that a big constraint for most Native youth? Um, I, I wholeheartedly believe that's a big uh, constraint for Native youth for any institution. Um, so our program, uh, we've received a generous grant by AT&T. So we actually cover the cost of everything for a student from their transportation to and from D.C., no matter where they're coming from, their tuition and fees associated with George Washington University for the semester. The grant that a student receives once they're admitted covers the two classes that are mandatory, but they're also off, uh, they also can take a third class, wow. um, an elective course, if, if they so choose. Uh-huh. And all of those credits transfer to their home university. So we cover, like I said, the transportation, the tuition fees, as well as their room and board, and a living stipend for food and activities while they're in the city. Wow, that is fantastic. So basically, it is truly a free ride, all expenses yeah, paid. Yeah, all expenses paid. Um, and this last uh, this last summer, our cohort actually got to go to the Democratic National Convention. Did they really? Wow. And we stayed in hotels in Philadelphia, and we mm-hmm. volunteered for the Native Council, and that, too, was fully paid for. We paid for our students' uh, hotels and for their food while they were there and things like that. Well, once you start mentioning a program that's fully subsidized, and you're talking about these exciting educational and professional opportunities for, for students, I can imagine you're probably deluged with all kinds of applicants. Is that safe to say? Yeah, yeah. Um, so our application process is pretty straightforward, though. It's a, it's an essay. We require the students send their uh, transcripts from their college or university and then a letter of recommendation from someone in their staff um, at their either community or for their university and, uh, yeah, it's, it is, um, we do have a lot of candidates, um, but it's, we really, really try to get a wide variety. So we have students who come with two years of college experience and maybe an associate to students who are looking at JD programs or graduate students. Mm-hmm. Um, every semester we admit 10 to 15 students, um, depending on our application pool. So yeah, I would definitely encourage anyone interested to, to apply um, and look into it because it's an amazing opportunity. So as a, just as a, as a ballpark figure, how many applicants are you likely to have for those 10 to 15 slots? So for our college program, I'd say we get around 40 to 60. Uh-huh. Our summer program is eight, we- eight weeks long for the semester, and our spring semester is 13 weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get uh, the most applicants that we get is actually for our high school program, though. Okay. Our high school program is widely popular, and we get over um, 200 to 300 applicants for that high school program. And is it 10 to 15 in both the college and the high school, or are they different numbers? The high school is 10 to 12. 10 to 12. Yeah, and the high school program is three weeks in the summer um, mm-hmm. where students come and uh, they take one course on Native politics and mm-hmm. policy and leadership. And they receive college credit that's transferable then to their future university. And, again, that's fully funded for transportation, room and board, all the fees uh, associated with George Washington, and as well as a living stipend. And because it's only three weeks and because they're high school students, they don't participate in an internship. Mm-hmm. However, every evening after uh, class, we do a different networking event. So we'll meet with congressional members. We've met with Supreme Court justices mm. um, and different Native advocacy groups in the city. We'll have luncheons, um, whether it's uh, NIEA or NCAI or um, NIGA. Um, we'll 
go to lunch, meet with their executive directors, and they'll kind of give a backdoor look on what they do on their day-to-day. Mm-hmm. For instance, I knew about the a few of these organizations in high school, but I had no idea what they did right, on the day-to-day uh-huh. um, and how the things that they were doing were affecting my back home. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really cool to make those connections. And again, um, especially for high school students, inspire them to say, wow, there are people from my community doing work in D.C., and I can picture myself doing that work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, one of the most amazing things this summer was this uh, girl from Heidelberg, Alaska, and she came into our program, and there was a, a senior associate within the White House working from Alaska. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see her, she's never been out of Alaska, the student who came, and to see her by the end of that eight weeks really be a, like a social butterfly and a net, huh. like just like networking with everyone. Um, it was awesome to see that and to have her say, okay, I can see myself doing this kind of work. Um, both in my community, but also in a place like D.C., and I wouldn't feel like I'd be the only one. Now, did you grow up on a reservation or a more urban area? Yeah, I grew up on the Muckleshoot Reservation, uh, which is about 20 minutes south of Seattle. Um, My father's Macaw, and I'm enrolled Macaw, um, and all my father's family is out there, but I grew up on Muckleshoot Reservation. Um, And in Washington State, we have 29 uh, federally recognized tribes, Mm -hmm. and they're all semi-clustered within each other. So, yeah, I grew up in Auburn, Washington, and on the Muckleshoot Reservation. So how was that coming from a reservation to a huge metropolis like D.C.? Was that a, a, a big culture shock? Um, it wasn't too much of a culture shock because uh, my mother actually lived in Baltimore. And she, oh, okay. li- uh, and she moved there when I was in high school and was a nurse for John Hopkins um, Hospital. So I used to spend my summers on the East Coast. I um, and I would take the train sometimes, and one of my friends would come out to visit for a couple weeks in the summer. We would take the train to D.C. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a total shock. It was interesting navigating federal buildings and mm-hmm. just being one of the, I'd say, 10 natives within the Department of Education mm-hmm. and learning how to navigate that and uh, build allies in that and work with other, other uh, non-natives to move native issues as a priority. Um, and I'd say that was one of the biggest things that I got out of that internship is seeing how other people do that, mm-hmm. um, especially those who have been in D.C. Um, for a long period of time um, and just sitting back and kind of observing how they navigated that and getting mentorship just from observe, observation. Now, here's a big question, and I'm sure people have been you know, listening very intently. They may be thinking for themselves because we do have people high school age, college age that listen to the show but it may be a parent or a grandparent saying this would be something great for my uh, son, my daughter, grandchild, or maybe someone at a tribal level saying, hey, we've got some really promising youth here that uh, something like this would be great. How does someone learn more about this? How do they get involved in the application process? Yeah, so all of our stuff is online. Um, I'd say the best way, I mean, we have a website. However, I'd say the best way is just to Google N-A-P-L-P, or uh, G-W-U and N-A-P-L-P. Our website is, um, and you can find us, at semesterinwashington.gwu.edu slash N-A-P-L-P. But if you just Google N-A-P-L-P or Native American Political Leadership Program or Inspire Native Teens, um, you can find us. You can also find us on Twitter at N-A-P-L-P Inspire. Um, as well as Facebook. 
Um, we're very active on Facebook, and you can just type in, like I said, the search Inspire Native Teens or Native American Political Leadership Program. Our deadlines for our application are coming up. For our college program, it's November 1st. Um, for our spring semester and for our summer semester, it's March 1st. And then for our high school program, which is July 2nd through the 21st, that's those three weeks, uh, the deadline for that is March 1st. And for both programs, uh, again, the application process is straight for, is pretty straightforward. It's a short essay talking about your interests and your passions, as well as your transcripts and a letter of recommendation. And we put a lot of emphasis um, on the essay and the letter of re- recommendation more so than on transcripts. So really, it sounds like a very streamlined process that you have as far as the application. And the key thing that people really need to remember is the name of the program, Native American Political Leadership Program, right? Yeah, yeah. If you just type that into Google or any search engine, we'll be the first one to pop up. And you can find all of our information about our application process, about our alumni and some of the things that they're doing, uh, as well as contacting us for any questions. Okay, so Native American Political Leadership Program at George Washington University. We're going to talk more about it in our final segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. Nicholas Courtney is staying by. If you're not Native, you want to stay tuned because there are opportunities for non-Native students as well there in a similar program. And uh, we'll be giving you more details and some success stories from Native youth who have gone through this very program. Stay tuned for more. I'm Dr. David DeRose broadcasting from the National Congress of American Indians in Phoenix, Arizona. We will be back right after this. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand. And someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. 
I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose and with Nicholas Courtney. Nicholas Courtney works for the George Washington University. He is working in the College of Professional Studies, helping head up the Native American Political Leadership Program. And is that appropriate to say you're helping to head that up? Yeah, yeah. So I work with the Native American Political Leadership Program, and I'm a senior associate for that. And then I'm the program manager for our Inspire Native Teens program, which is our high school initiative. So we were talking about that in the previous segment, but I think your story is so engaging because you yourself went through this program. Tell us a little bit about your background before you headed out to D.C. for the uh, the program. Yeah, so again, I'm from Washington State, and I did my master's at Western Washington University. I got my master's in teaching and was previously a high school social studies teacher. As well, I spent a summer in Philadelphia teaching math, which was quite the experience. And that was a, a time where I found out about this program, uh, thanks to my brother. Um, before that, I was completely unaware of it, which I think is a, is a major issue, not only for us, but for a lot of Native programs who are doing some amazing things in mm-hmm. Indian countries, just being aware of the program itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found out about this and had the opportunity um, to potentially internship with the White House Initiative on American Indian and Alaska Native Education. And the executive director of that uh, was pursuing his doctorate in educational leadership, a degree that I myself uh, have a goal to obtain. Oh, really? So I thought that would be a really amazing experience to intern with him. So I contacted George Washington and saw if they've ever partnered with them, which they did, uh-huh. and then secured an internship with them. So I really went uh, to get that experience in the Department of Education and see how a federal office like that operated, especially and advocated for Native education. Mm-hmm. So you have this tremendous experience. You're going there with a mind to basically increase your skill set. You're finishing up a master's. Did I understand that right at the time? Yeah. So while I was there, I was actually writing my thesis um, at my home institution, uh, and that was around restorative justice and looking at the inequalities and uh, in discipline. So did a project in Washington State where we gathered all of the discipline reports from every school, mm. and we saw the unequal treatment of students of color, students wow. with disabilities, and special education students being more harshly disciplined for the uh. same actions as their non-native, non-disabled, and non-special ed peer. Wow. And uh, did you gain any insights into why that was? I think it's a lot of it is just bias. Um, it's, uh-huh. not, it's not necessarily uh, spiteful. I think that it's teachers who don't know how to properly interact or don't know any better or just want those students out of their classroom and say, this isn't my problem. I'm going to push this into someone else. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a problem to begin with. I think that a lot of times these students who are disciplined are actually the ones who we need to be talking with Mm -hmm. and saying, okay, how can we make an education system work for you? Right, right, right. So basically you've got this interesting background, finishing up a master's, relatively recently end up doing this uh, program at George Washington University. And again, the name of that program is the Native American Political Leadership Program. Yep. 
you spend those was 13 weeks. Did I get there? Yeah, I spent 13 weeks there and had some amazing opportunities, was able to uh, travel with the secretary of education Mm -hmm. uh, to North Dakota, to the Pine Ridge reservation. And that was his, and that was his first visit to Indian country when he was just appointed. Um, And I, in my wildest dreams, I would never imagine that I'd be doing that. And, uh, for that to be my goal, a uh, very far-reaching goal is uh-huh. to be Secretary of Education. Oh, really? And you you have a- aspirations to do that, that? That's my goal. Tremendous, um, tremendous. And just to be able to be in the same room with him on uh-huh. a, a consistent basis as well as uh, travel to Indian country with him was uh, really privileged work. And I was uh, humbled and honored to just be there and be witness to that. So had you ever been to South Dakota and to Pine Ridge before? Yeah, I've driven through it uh, when we were in middle school. I've actually been fortunate enough to – I've been to every state in the United States. Oh, really? Wow. A That's... lot of road trips growing up. And you see a lot of states when you just drive across the country a couple uh-huh. times. So I've been to Pine Ridge and Rapid City and mm-hmm. the Badlands, which are beautiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was really cool to see – Pine Ridge at an older age. I think often when we talk about Native communities, we talk about it, we use a deficit lens and we talk about a lot of the negative things that are going on. But when I was there to experience um, the beautiful youth, um, every, uh, just a, a beautiful community with a lot of positive things going on and to Tremendous. be focused on that and to bring out non-Natives from D.C. and to have them see that in uh-huh. first person. Because I think a lot of times, again, these officials and uh, people working in federal offices non-natives who have never been to Indian communities, um, that we hear about a lot of deficits, um, but we don't often see and talk more about the beauties and the and the beautifully rich things that are going on there. So I think that that was good for them to see in first person. Great, great. So you had aspirations to end up in Washington, and you end up in a position that perhaps was not the one that you planned. Is that right? Are you, you... Yeah, um, I d- definitely didn't plan. I, uh, I planned on actually coming back to Washington and teaching. Washington State. Washington State, yeah, uh-huh. um, was my original plan. But I think that when you're in Washington, you have opportunities just from being there that arise. I think it's, it's a lot easier to get a job in D.C. when you're in D.C. Mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to when you're applying to jobs from other areas. Um, you hear about opportunities. A lot of it is networking, which I think is one of the strongest things of our program, which our non-Native students uh, do as well. We have a non-Native student pr- uh, program, which is just the Semester in Washington program. Okay. And, and is it the same curriculum? Are they together? Or um, is it- they're, we take one class together, and that's that electoral college class and how uh-huh. to run campaigns. Um, and then our other class, um, they more study grassroots. Uh, we study grassroots organizing and Native politics, and then they do more judicial systems and things like that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But we do have one class together, and we do a lot of our, the same networking events with them, and some of them will even roommate uh, and board with them. Uh-huh. But they also do an internship component as well. Usually they don't work in a federal in a Native office. A lot of them will work for a member of Congress. We had someone okay. interning for Facebook, though, who was interested in communications huh. Interesting. and different offices around town. So basically there are opportunities for students, whether they're Native or non-Native, in a a program that whether it's the Native American political leadership program or its parallel program. Yeah, which is the Semester in Washington Politics, SIWP. Semester in Washington Politics, SIWP. And that's the non-native program. That's the non-native program and anyone can apply for that and it's a semester in Washington DC, both in the spring and in the summer. And again, they do coursework they do in, uh, networking events. Uh, we had the privilege to meet with Supreme Court justices, um, secretaries of the interior, and again, just kind of get a backdoor look of 
what do um, people in federal offices and advocacy groups in the city do on a day-to-day basis. So Mm -hmm. we'll go to the Democratic National uh, Committee, the Republican National Committee, um, meet with all sorts of people and kind of get a a day in the life of. Boy, it sounds like an incredible experience. What about other Native youth who've gone through this program? How has it impacted them? Any windows on that? Yeah, so we've actually, we've had 173 uh, Native youth come through both of our programs, both our college and our high school program. A lot of our people who uh, are in our college program, I'd say about one of those 10, let's say, 10 every semester, um, about one or two stay in D.C. and find work. Uh Um, A lot of them uh, do their consulting. We have a person working for Deloitte Consulting and hmm. uh, uh, pretty high up in Deloitte. We have people who also return go back home, uh, which we encourage and run for tribal council. We have tribal council mm-hmm. members. We have people, uh, someone right now running for a congressional seat. In oh, Oklahoma. really? Uh-huh. So they're all doing amazing stuff. And we are always there to support our alumni and have a, a good alumni uh, network of opportunities that are available uh, to them or that they hear about. Again, that word of mouth and networking, kind of extending that hand. Uh, to people both in D.C. and not D.C. We also have uh, people who work for NCAI right now. We have a couple of their fellows, our alumni of our program, um, and doing great work and are doing an awesome job here at the uh, convention. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they're all doing amazing stuff. A lot of them go into Ph.D. programs or go into law school, and we're kind of, again, because I think that they see... They come to D.C. and they say, I can do this work. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go on with my education, get that J.D. or get a Ph.D. and come back um, to either D.C. or their community and say, okay, these there are some really high up people in uh, federal officials and federal offices, and I could be one of those people. Mm-hmm. Or I can go back home and be a tribal chairman, and they have that experience of being in D.C. and kind of navigating that. Well, this is so. This is just an incredible program, and it's been going, like you said, for a decade. Yep, we just celebrated our 10-year. Wow. Again, how does someone get more information about the program? So you can check us out. You can uh, check out our Facebook page, either our SIW Semester in Washington Politics or our Native American Political Leadership Program. On Facebook, both of those will have links to our website. They can check us out on uh, George Washington University. And I'd say the easiest way and is just to Google either SIWP or NAPLP or Native American Political Leadership Program. And we have all of our information. You can request to get more information. I'm happy to send people who work with students or educators. Um, they can contact us, and I'm happy to uh, send them packets of materials for their schools. Um, I've also done webinars with groups of students for our high school program. I think the biggest uh, concern especially for our high school program, our parents worried about their students sending them three weeks in Washington, D.C. So I've done webinars and uh, FaceTimes with groups of parents just to kind of give them a face of the program and kind of say this is what we're about. We have a, a, uh, we'll send them a mock schedule. Great. We've got to run Nicholas Courtney with the George Washington University College of Professional Studies telling us about the Native American Political Leadership Program and the Parallel Program Semester in Washington Politics. We've got to run from the venue of the National Congress of American Indians in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you, as always, the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.